It's Monday, March 9th, and this is Gig Gab podcast number four, the Working Musicians podcast here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And out in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. It's a pleasure to talk to you today, Paul. Every week, this gets more fun. I'm just talking to my buddy about something we both love doing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Something we usually both love doing. No, I always love playing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I just Do you love back. rehearsing? That's the question. Uh, I just got back from a rehearsal. Actually, by and large, the rehearsal part of it itself went fine. It's a, it's kind of a weird scenario that I'm in. And I, I've learned to uh, this theater gig that I'm in and involved in right now. I've learned to ask more questions going in. I, I realized I got very lucky with good fits and like production wise, good fits for me in the theater stuff that I've kind of gotten back involved with over the last year. And, uh, this one I I would not do again if I knew what I know now, but that's okay. It'll 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 be awesome. It it just you know I've I've learned that mostly it, I shouldn't take a gig for an instrument that I don't play. That's that's kind of the most frustrating part. What are you playing? Synthesizer and <laughs> and and some drums at you know, but uh, but I I was led to believe that the synthesizer stuff was far less. Um, involved than it than it actually turns out to be. So it's it's been- kind of a universal truth that that stress comes from uh, uh, the unknown. You know, oh, totally. Yeah. Right. That's that's a band thing. That's a that's a lesson of life thing, right? So yep. shame on you for taking a gig, you know, outside the comfort zone, right? Ab- absolutely. Yep. No, I I should have I should have seen the book before. I, well, you know, I was, I was told it was one thing because the person who told me thought it was one thing. And then as I got deeper, it's like, whoa, whoa, this is yeah. not that thing. But you know, by that point it was like, I couldn't really back out. So it's fine. I, you know, we'll make it through. It'll be, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know, just one of those so, things. But, so I was thinking this week. We might talk about that whole thing, preparation, rehearsing, you know, yeah. how you prepare, how you prepare new material, how you prepare any material. And we'll see where the conversation goes from there. What do you think? I like it. I like it. Um, how often, how often does your main band rehearse? We try to rehearse once a week. Realistically, we probably rehearse twice a month is what it works out to be. Got it. And um, uh, how do how does the, do the guys know what's going to happen when they walk in for rehearsal in advance? Do you send them out any notes or does somebody say, here's what we're going to do this week? For us, it's pretty loose in that there's no one driving force. Um, Everybody kind of has their ideas when it comes time to running the rehearsal. One of us, usually me, but not always me kind of make sure we stay on track with, with things that we need to look at maybe the existing songs we need to brush up on and, uh, and, and new stuff to work on and making sure we get that balance right. And, uh, and everybody's happy, but, but at the same time we get done when we need to get done. Um, but, but as far as ideas of what to do, uh, especially in terms of new stuff that, that kind of comes from, from throughout the band and, and we, we vet it and, and we have an interesting vetting process that we've sort of developed. I think every band does. Uh, but you vet it in advance or you vet it once everybody's together? No, we, well, I mean, we all vet it individually. We can't help it, right? You listen to a tune, somebody suggests, oh, we should try this song, cover tune or whatever. And it's like, you know, you, you, you make your instant judgment on it uh, right out of the gate. And then, but we always tend to try stuff. And really it's, uh, you know, it's a lot like what we did in the all-star band, right? If, if you're the one that wants to play the song and you're the one singing it, 
you've got to come in knowing how to drive this thing home. Yeah. Um, everybody needs to then learn their parts, but there needs to be one person that comes in with, with a vision and, and maybe a, a malleable vision, right? If, if somebody else has a, has an idea, we, we try it or whatever, but, uh, but it, it's important to have somebody that that's going to take the lead and, 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 and make it happen and get it to the end for sure. Yeah. You know, so like a related conversation, um, I refer to my band as a benevolent dictatorship, like, Right. One guy, me, you know, definitely is driving the bus and is making final calls on stuff. But I've learned over the years that um, that you really need this concept of buy in for things to be successful. I mean, you can't. When I started, it was like, listen, here's the deal. I'll do all the work. I'll go get all the gigs, but I get to make the choices on songs and, you know, these types of things. (laughs) And and if it's if it's a hired gun thing where, you know, that's what they're, you know, you, you pay me. That's one thing. But if you get guys who if you want their emotional buy-in to deliver songs with a certain amount of passion or, 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 you know, you can get the notes right. But if you want people who really buy in and translate, want to translate your vision of the song, I've learned that you got to, you know, kind of give and take a little bit more and, and uh, which is a whole great discussion. I think I mentioned this once before that the philosophy, if you're a business person during the day and music is your hobby or your semi-professional aspiration, you know, you, you really cannot treat the two endeavors the same. They're very, very different mindsets of, of, you know, managing people and, and, uh, and keeping things organized. We'll save that one yeah, for a little let, while. Let's come back to that. Cause I, I, yeah. I think that would be a good conversation. Yeah. But, but I'm, so I'm curious. Uh, and, and my guess is I'd, I'd actually like for both of us to share our processes of, of what our bands go through and, and actually, you know, what, what it takes to get a song from here's the germ of the idea to you're actually bothering to try and play it live once. Yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so the house rockers, yep. we play a lot between May and September. So we really don't rehearse in the summers. We're playing seven to 10 gigs a month, May to September. And so we kind of look at, second half of January to the beginning of May as our kind of refresh. And every year we try to add, let's say 10 to 15 new songs. Sure. Not all of them will make the cut at the end of the day, but that's our time where we're really working new things. And sometimes now that our, our catalog has gotten so big, we're bringing back things that have kind of fallen off, you know, good songs that just uh, for one reason or another kind of fell out of our rotation every once in a while. So that's the way our, our, uh, flow of the year works. Now that said, um, <coughs> excuse me, that said, we are, have a, like we go through this process of people submitting songs. There's usually some amount of discussion conceptually. We share YouTube videos or MP3s and, you know, we spend a little bit of time knowing that we're about to undergo this time of year where we're going to learn a bunch of new stuff. And, um, once we get to a point where we whittle it down, um, then I come up with a calendar of, of our rehearsals. We rehearse every week, maybe one a month will fall off or, or we'll go you know, sure. two months without one falling off. But, you know, the goal is every week. And I'll say, you know, on January 10th, we're going to learn these three songs on January 17th. We're going to learn these three. And I set out a schedule and a calendar and it works pretty good. Sometimes a little I'm a little over uh, over aggressive with how much we can get done, especially if there's really demanding harmony parts that need to be rehearsed. Sure. And so we get a calendar together. I assign, we have two or three guys in the band who write horn charts. So I assign the songs well in advance to the charters 
And, you know, that's the, the basic idea. We do a vocal rehearsal or rhythm section rehearsal for the first hour, hour, 15 minutes. And then the horns show up and we start running material. And it's kind of an iterative thing because we do gig during the winter and that'll be a time for us to try out new stuff. And if it's not, if it's not ready for prime time, it stays in rehearsal for a little longer or if, you know, it just needs a little bit more work. But we get through this kind of process of rhythm section working stuff out every once in a while will be just a, a, a vocal rehearsal. And I can't stress how valuable those are in, in terms of getting your band to another level. I mean, paying attention to vocals and just rehearsing vocals has been something that's paid dividends for us tremendously over time. And then, you know, the horns are kind of reading down their, their charts. They're really good readers and we're in, in pretty good shape. Usually by the time we get the horns to, to reading stuff down. And that's generally that, how we go through things. That's the process. Huh? That's interesting. And yeah. of those 10 or 15 tunes, how many of them make the cut? Would it be like eight to 10 kind of thing? Is it, you know, pretty high percentage? Yeah. Okay. You know, and, but there's always the stuff that sound better in your mind than they do to what the audience actually reacts to. Totally. So, you yeah. know, a couple of them we've, we've tried some real, like, um, you know, my, one of my singers, my keyboard player, great singer, loves funk music, loves real funk music. I mean, we, we adapted a Chaka Khan tune. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And just, he sings the hell out of it, but for some reason, you know, probably the rhythm feel isn't quite crisp enough on it. It just never quite kind of got over as, as well as it seemed like it would, uh, once upon a time we tried it for a while and, you know, maybe we abandoned it sooner than, than we should have. But, um, it was it was a little bit of a stretch for us to interpret in a way that the audience would would uh, would grab onto. Well, but you, that's good. You, no, you only have so much time, right? I mean, you, you, you maybe you could make that tune work, but it's going to take you know every bit of of six weeks of rehearsals to 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 tighten it up and find all the little problems and tweak it and record and you know go back and around and listen and all that stuff. And that's you don't you know you can't dedicate that kind of time to one tune, right? Yeah, to, absolutely. To find it, yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing is we have a lot to do with these rehearsals and things that tend to bog us down. You get into it and you can just kind of tell everybody in the room is like, is this really worth the time? Yeah. You know, for the reward that it's going to give us, you know, what was like that was the end by the Beatles. Oh, interesting. Huh? Yeah. That, that ending harmony Mm -hmm. just was really difficult. And, uh, and, but we kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. And uh, it, it just, you know, it would have been a lovely way to end shows, but um, at the end of the day, not, not, not with these singers. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so you, you know, but that's a good six hours of rehearsal maybe to, to try and get it right. Yeah. And uh, you learn a lot about it, but um, you know, ultimately that one doesn't make it. And there's yeah. other things again, like I said, stuff, sometimes stuff sounds great in your mind and you, you can picture it driving an audience wild but when your band gets his hands on it, it isn't quite the same. It doesn't uh, work. Yeah. And I, I think that's any band, any yeah, band. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about that in an earlier show, right? Where, you know, there's these tunes that you just, you love them and, and you think that it, there's a, you know, that this, this would work great. And then it turns out that no, not even close or yeah. not close enough, I guess is the, the right, you know, yeah. the right thing. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, you want everybody bought in, you want everybody seeing the rewards of their labor. And so that, I think that's part of a leadership thing is keeping the rehearsals moving along. And if the rehearsals are bogging down, what do you do, you know, to not to keep everybody's attention? I got 10 guys to kind of keep on focus right. with this stuff. Right. And sometimes, 
you know, there's a disagreement about a baseline or a chord change or something like that. And some conversation ensues. And, you know, the drummer is like, you know, did you really need me here for this? And, and, uh, and the answer is yes. I mean, you know, you, you got to work through and smooth out the edges of things sometimes, yep. but, um, you know, uh, horn charts, you know, there's some nuances and subtleties to horn charts sometimes that the horn section has to put their head together, you know, uh, and, and figure out if it's exactly what they want to say and, and, and what, or what the charter meant. So keeping rehearsals moving along, keeping them productive, keeping them fun, uh, keeping them brisk. Uh, that's, I think that's a really good skill for a leader to have. How, um, how many, and we'll, we'll go through how we do it in fling in a minute, but I'm just curious, uh, how many, at any given rehearsal, do you start with a, do you warm up with a tune that you've already played before? How many do you, do you play any songs that you just already know cold? How, how often does that happen at rehearsal? Is that even a part of it? Or if something's yeah. in the bag, do you, do you just, it's, you don't rehearse it. It doesn't need to be rehearsed. It's, it's uh it's a combination of things. I mean, mostly cause time is, a, is at a premium. Sure. You know, we'll start with something that is, uh, in progress or ready to go, but not always. I mean, like this year when we, we just, we'd been playing great for a long time and, and the stuff we know, we know. And so yep. no need to not, not even to warm up. We just kind of have dove into things this year and, um, and started plowing through the list of stuff that we have. And it's going great. I mean, I think we knocked out four new songs in a two hour, two hour, 15 minute rehearsal That's awesome. the first time. Yeah. And, 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 but here's the deal. So here's the other part of it. Remember I said, I send out this list of what the plan is along with either an MP3 or a link to a Dropbox thing. Right. We're more often than not YouTube stuff. Um, and the expectation is that people do their homework and come prepared. And so this, this is huge because that's the other thing. It has always been the expectation and different guys at different times may or may not have done that. Yeah. And that pisses you off. If you're the guy who put his time into being prepared, right? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's just, a, a lack of courtesy it's a lack of respect for your bandmates. If you're not going to let them know, Hey guys, you know, I got a, a bad week this week. My kids are this or, you know, or work is keeping me late. I'm not going to be prepared to let's, let's hold off. That's totally acceptable. All right. You know, we're, we're, we're realistic about people. it right. happens. Absolutely. Right. But just to show up and say, Oh, I didn't, you know, yeah, I didn't have time this week when the other people have, I look around the room and I see people like, Oh, you know, what, what the hell, you know, why did I put my time in? Yes. And so that's something I'm, I'm sensitive to. And so that's the one where I kind of, you know, remind people you're part of a team. Don't let your team down, do your share of the work, come prepared. And that's how we plow ahead of things. I, I know a lot of bands, they just say we're getting together and then they, you know, bullshit for a while. What, what do you want to do? Hey, how about this? How about this? And that works for them. That's great. But I'm uh, maybe a little over anal in that area. And I just try and keep, keep, uh, have a lot of respect for people's time. And so I set the expectation. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what's expected of you, you know, but I will tell you this. I sent out a note to my band this year because, you know, we have a lot of perfectionists in our group and, you know, it's 10 guys. It's the other. I have 10 creative people in my band. And, you know, the, the rehearsals went through a period of time where they just got a little cranky and it was it was frustrating and really hurt the chemistry of the group, in my opinion. And um, it, it just became like rehearsal was not fun. It was it was a labor. And um, so before we started our, our our season of rehearsals this year, I sent a note to my band saying, hey, remember, we're a band. We're all in this together. Remember to speak respectfully to everybody. 
listen respectfully. Don't doodle, you know, don't have side conversations, you know, just turn your back. Don't walk out of a rehearsal room, not let us know what's going on. Sure. And just kind of reminded everybody that we're there to get some stuff done. We're friends, we're bandmates, you know, we're there to kind of plow through stuff and do good work together. And it, it was, it was a reset that was needed this year and it's been really effective so far. And that's one of the reasons we're plowing through guys have come, the horn charts have been ready all the rhythm section, you know, has learned their stuff or bring their notes to go along. And, you know, nobody's coming in blind or cold to our rehearsals this year. And it's really made a huge difference. Well, that's cool. That's good. Yeah. That, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's tough. The, the, the larger the band, I've always said, if you have as soon as you get more than three people in a band, you're going to have clicks develop. Right. It, you know, and, and to, to varying degrees, depending on, you know, all sorts of factors. But but as soon as you have four or more people in a band, you, you can you know, you can have clicks of two and and it, it can get weird, especially in rehearsals when things like you said, you've got something you don't plan to to have to spend, you know, 10 minutes working on a harmony that, that happens amongst three people. But that's what you got to do. And it means that the other seven just need to, you know, hang tight for a little bit and and make that happen you know yep Yep. yeah so in in fling we have a a much different process um partially because our schedule uh we have busy times and then we have slow times but they aren't it's not predictable like yours uh not at least not to that degree and so uh you know when when we're in busy mode we tend not to rehearse uh but, but otherwise like i said it's you know somewhere between two and probably two and three times a month is what it what it mm-hmm. turns out to be realistically and and we have a a process that we call the funnel right and so songs are constantly being poured into the funnel and usually what'll happen is the day of a rehearsal someone or sometimes multiple people will will suggest songs and they'll just come up and and somebody'll bring charts to the rehearsal and we will Listen to it together, which which kind of drives me crazy. It used to drive me crazy. I've gotten used to it. I I'm like you. I'd prefer to come in having, you know, time to prep and and actually do it. But well, it but this has actually worked well for fling. And, and so I'm I've embraced it now. So we'll listen to it together once and uh, and then we'll play through as best we can. It's never going to be perfect. If, well, sometimes it is. And then that's really nice, but usually not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we did this with tell me why a couple of weeks ago. And within, you know, three times through, we had everything, including all the harmonies, just perfect. And we just kind of yeah. looked around and we're like, yeah, okay, good, great. Check, you know, but th- that, that doesn't work, you know, and, and it really shouldn't have worked with that song. But, um, but I had played it before and our keyboard player came in and really knew it. So th- that helps, right. When you've got people that, that, so I did, it, it was different. I did have prep work done. He did have prep work done in that. And we were the two main singers on it. So it, you know, that, that helped. But, um, but, you know, we pour songs into the funnel and then we play them through that first time. And it really actually helps my process. And I think it's true of everybody in the band to at least feel what it's like. And it's, it's the steamroller, right? It's, you know, it's not going to be perfect. So you don't bother stopping for anything. You just play it through as best you can. And maybe you, maybe you only get halfway through and you realize, okay, this is, this requires more work than, you know, than just hacking through it once. But you get a feel for, is this band, is this tune going to work with mm. this collection of musicians? It's, you know, it's not perfect, but you do get a couple of moments where you feel it gel a little bit and you're like, okay, great. Now we've got, we've got something we can polish and we all got to go home. And then we do, we don't try it. We don't beat it through and, and try and get it right at that rehearsal. We probably only, you know, try it once through. Then we all go home 
and and learn it. And that that's kind of how things get further down the funnel and further refined. And if it if there's no spark in that first time through, then we usually let it go at that point. Um, and it, it that has served us well. It really it, it makes it very efficient to to test out tunes because there's nothing worse than everybody spending all the time on it and you get together and you know, you play it and it's like, and then you feel like, well, I've invested in this. We should, like you said, you know, like you were doing with the end, you know, you, you want to make it work. You've got all this time invested. You think it would be great, but if the spark's not there, if, if there's not that little bit of it that gels, uh, you got nothing to go with. You got to just, you know what I mean? So it's worked out well for us. It's, it drove me crazy when, you know, when this, this process, no one, came out and said, here's how we're going to do it. It just kind of started happening. And I'm like, Oh, there's, this is so inefficient, but, uh, but actually it turns out to be pretty darn efficient for us. Well, well, it's, it's, it's because you get all these kind of side benefits from the process and, you know, about buy-in, right? So I'll, I'll share that when, for the longest time in my band, I would say, here are the songs for, you know, remember this house rockers are a 16 year story, right? Here, here are the songs for the year. And then when I started sharing the lead vocal chores, I would ask the other guy who was going to sing lead vocals, send me your list. I will pick from your list. Right. right? Sure. Because my vision of the sound and style of the band is what I wanted to preserve. And this, you know, that was okay. And then every once in a while, well, well, actually even further Then when I added a third guy who wanted a few songs lead, so now we have three guys that are splitting up a show. Everybody yep. wants their share, but then you'd get the guys who don't sing wanting some creative input into the band and they would submit songs and who they would want to sing them. And then that would make all of the guys who do sing like, well, that's not really fair because if I, you know, sing this for you, then one of the songs that's really important to me, I'm, we're not going to get to. Right. And so right. it started this whole kind of s- sensitive dynamic where people wanted creative input into the set list and the song selection, that type of thing. But you know, there's only so much room, you know, it's like a basketball team with three scores. There's only so much ball to go around. Right. Right. And, and we, so we dealt with this in the Mac world, all-star band at, at, sure. at, at, a, at, you know, at a given level. Yeah. 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 Yep. So it's, it's, uh, it, but I will say this again, you know, you live and learn and this whole thing about what effectively manages bands. So this year I gave up quite a bit more, um, insistence guys submitted songs, guys who don't sing submitted songs along with who they wanted to sing them. And I will say that that amount of buy-in and, and ownership and sense of personal satisfaction has got to be a part of the reason we're plowing through this new stuff. People are so happy, you know, when we get to the end of the list and we see everything that's there, you know, who knows, but right now, again, you know, if a band has an uptick creatively after 16 years, that's a pretty good thing. So, so whatever this year, giving people more of a say, having people feel more ownership, more connection creatively, as opposed to just, just playing what they're asked to play. It has made a, uh, you know, considerable difference. Uh, the give and take is not nearly as painful as it felt in the past. People are joyously, singing other people's suggestions and, and, uh, and having fun with it. And, uh, and so everybody has a little bit more skin in the game, I guess. And we're seeing some benefit to that. And, you know, I never, I never would have thought that that would have been an upside. I would have thought it would have been more convoluted, you know, more, more difficult, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're having a good year with it this year. So, you know, we'll ride it out. I'll check in every now and then yeah. and, uh, and see where we end up. Well, but you, I mean, 
because we fling was like that too, where there was, you know, the, the, the term, in fact, the exact same term benevolent dictator dictatorship was, uh, was used by Ross, our, our guitar player who, who really assembled the band in the beginning. The, 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 the creative control has loosened since then, but it was always, but there was a direction in the beginning. Um, and the same with yours, right. And, but now you've had these same guys doing this for a long time together. Yeah. So, you know, it, it Yes, you now have more people uh, creatively controlling or at least suggesting things, but it's not like they're coming from from, you know, left field. You've all been doing this thing together for a while. So probably somebody's not going to suggest something that totally doesn't isn't, you know, isn't even going to come close to working. And if they do, everybody else is going to be like, "Eh, you know what? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of a funnel or a filter that yeah. kind of gets it to the to the list of stuff because it wasn't like I said, everybody give me your three. I said, give me ten. Mm. Looked at them, shared them, and then uh, and then when we got down to it, said, all right, give me your top three to start with. And so we started where guys all got to put in their top three songs, and that's the initial list that we've been working through. Yeah, and you know that I mean, if you're picking one of these songs. You know what the capabilities of the band are, right? You, you know, you, you've, you've been playing with these people for a long time. You know what songs have worked. You know what songs have fallen off the list. And so you're probably going to, that's going to help. Hopefully that's going to help guide your top three. Although it doesn't always, sometimes, you know, somebody gets a real emotional attachment to exactly the wrong song and, uh, and it's hard to shake that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what's funny is, so we do, you know, classic soul, you know, classic funk, right. A lot of Springsteen Beatles, Huey Lewis, you know, stuff you would think a horn band would do. Okay. Okay. So our other guitar player bought in a song that, you know, I was determined to let him have a say with it, but the other guy's like a eh, tempo, you know, and it was a Weezer song. Right. So it kind of is a little bit, you know, 15, 18 years later than most of our rock, you know, genre. Sure. And, uh, and was kind of weird. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a cool tune, but it, it was, it's just not what you would think of as a dance tempo, right. For a dance band. We played it for the first time last week and the guy who sang it, sang the crap. I mean, and we, we actually, when we got around to it in rehearsals, uh, the guy who writes charts for us added a killer chart to it. Totally made it sound like our own. The guy, sung the hell out of it and we played it for the first time and people loved it. And so sometimes songs will surprise you. You got to keep your, you got to keep your heart open. You got to keep your mind open. You totally do. No, we, we've, yeah, we've learned our bass player. And I, I think I've brought this up before in fling. He, uh, he brings in songs that are kind of unknowns and weird from a song selection standpoint, but He's got a batting average of about 90% with this thing. Wow. Yeah, because he picks songs, usually picks songs that work for this band. And then we play the heck out of them and it works for the crowd, even though nobody actually knows it. You know, we we limit that stuff, though, because we if we're going to play a song, we talked about this when we talked about vanity songs. If we're going to play an original or if we're going to play a cover that that turns into be a vanity song because no one in the place is going to recognize it. Well, then we might as well play an original. Right. You know, and 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 serve two masters. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But um, but some I mean, a lot of these tunes that he's picked have just been great for the band. The, 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 The one the the 
big exception is when he picks Grateful Dead songs. Um, and, and we talked about it. You know, it's because he 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 has too much of a uh, too much of a vision of what it should sound like. And unfortunately, that doesn't involve the way this band plays songs, you know, but um, but that's OK. I mean, it's his favorite band, so yeah. I get it. But it's just a shame that we can't do them um, in the right way. We do. I, we do a couple of them and they work, you know, but, which ones? We do uh Scarlet Begonias is the one that that finally uh we have come around with. But we he had to kind of I mean he had to kind of let it become a fling song as opposed to, you know, play it like Jerry did sort of mm. thing. Um but that that one works well. We tried Touch of Grey. That was actually my suggestion, so I can't blame him for that one. I thought it would work. Uh I was wrong. So, that's okay, you know. But we tried it for a while. So, I think dead stuff is hard. I mean, Unless you're so comfortable in your own skin as a band that you're allow it to just be whatever it's going to be. Right. Right. And that's but, what we've yeah. done with Scarlet is it, it, it re- and it really works. I mean, there are some gigs where that's, you know, the highlight of the night. And yeah. Yeah. Which is great. It's which, a good one. It, it, yeah, it is. It's fun. I think the first time I ever played that was with you with the house rockers. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. At uh, someplace in down in, I don't know, down on the Campbell. beach there. Yeah, somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's well, good. So yeah, I sum it all up. Rehearsal is has been a a a learning process. And I will I here's my final thought on this. The great time I'm having this year with the band after having challenging rehearsal seasons in the past, I am reminded that the insistence on my vision and the joy from me forcing my vision to success, which can be satisfying. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But to play in a band where everybody's happy and everybody's on the same page and everybody's really going the distance to deliver their best because they're feeling heard has been a, you know, I'm not wired that way. Naturally. It's been a learning experience for me. I would say, uh, buy-in and the, and all of the resulting benefits you get from group buy-in, you know, when everybody's on the same page and everybody is really getting a kick out of what you're doing, the upside of that is, is to me, at least here now, worth more than having proven myself right to my bandmates. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I worry about that. Um, like I said, you know, rehearsals are, are a, a, a democratic process for the most part unless we've got something we really need to get done and then I'll be the taskmaster. Somebody will. Russ, Russ sometimes takes that role. But on stage, I typically run the, run the show. Russ sometimes steps in and, and, and does some stuff. But, uh, but for the most part, you know, you, you need somebody when you're, when you have a show going, you need somebody holding the reins. Oh, you for know, sure. Right. You get it. it uh, uh, a democracy does not work in that environment, at least not that I've ever found. And I do worry sometimes that, uh, that, not intentionally, but you know, if, if a, if a show starts going one way, like I said, you know, we talked about this, we put together set lists, but I, it, a lot of times it goes into audible mode. And, uh, and I worry that I don't serve the guy's desires in audible mode. I serve the, you know, the benefit of the crowd and the benefit of yeah. the band. And I, and that's not a bad thing, right? Because it, 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 when it works and it usually works, I'm, you know, I've, I've got a pretty good track record with, with, you know, running shows like that. But, um, but you know, you have your go-to stuff that doesn't necessarily get the, you know, the, the, 
one guy's, you know, new cover out that we wanted to try and that sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, I know. But well, as a leader, you're trying to do a couple of things. You, you know, you, it, it's like a, we use sports analogies and not uh, you're trying to keep everybody's head in the game. But I wholeheartedly agree that at a gig, someone has the leader has to reserve the right. To, 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 you can't sit there, you know, debating, negotiating what the next song is going to be. You know, the band is just so much more impressive where the leader calls it and the band kicks it. Right. And that's it. Any, anything right. short of that, you, you are not looking professional. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But I just, you know, I, I question and not in the moment, in the moment, I just do what I do. Um, but afterwards, I always kind of think back and like, oh, you know, could we have tried this song in that slot? Would it, you know, would that have worked potentially and, and, you know, serve the gig the way we needed the gig served and yet still, you know, made this guy happy because, because we tried his tune. I mean, but that's, you know, that's just, but no harm, no foul there. I mean, I think if you have a good rapport with your band, you say, Hey, I made my call. Thank you guys for going with it. Yep. You know, it dawns on me. And next time we're in a similar situation, you know, you know, I'll have different things in my mind to choose from. I think the thing is, you know, it's not that the. It's not that the band allows the the leader to lead. It's that the band buys into the value of the leader leading. That's it's, right. It's very, very important. It's important. Oh, no, you have to. Somebody. I, I, uh, I've never seen a band work on stage as a democracy ever. No, no, no that's a bad idea. It's just a bad idea. Yeah. You, I mean, I like I do. Sometimes I'll pass the baton. Like I said, you know, Russ, um, he's good when I'm when I'm flat. Right. Because there's sometimes where it's like, yeah, I don't know. You know, and and Russell take over for you know three or four tunes, and it's like okay, yeah. good, he gets us back on track, and that that's actually a really nice thing to have, you know, an outlet like that. Like turn to him, like what do you want to play? That's teamwork, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then it, you know, it's good, kind of we kind of keep each other going. Oh but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's every, it, and it's interesting. Not everybody in the band is wired to be able to do that, right? And that, but that's okay. That's that's fine. We all have our we all have our strengths, so. For sure. Yeah. Good where do talk. you, where do you rehearse? We rehearse at our keyboard player's house has a garage that's pretty much set up as a, a small studio. It's got a, a small drum kit. You know, we have uh, monitors on the floor for, for, uh, for vocalists to hear themselves Yep. Uh, and enough room for the five horns to line up and, and, and get what they did. But yeah, it, it, once upon a time we rented a rehearsal place on occasion we'll rent a sound stage. Like if we, like, like, you know, we had grand visions once upon a time about doing tech rehearsals and, you know, really trying to, trying to professionalize a lot of the things that we do that, eh, you know, we did it for a while, but it, it, uh, it, it never really, you know, panned out to, to deliver what we needed to. So the answer to the question is we do, we're a garage band, I guess, in that sense. Yep. But, um, but uh, once in a while, you know, especially if the garage isn't available or something, you know, we'll end up somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's cool. Yeah. We we um, well, we actually rehearse in the very room that I'm in now because uh, we soundproof the room above my office when we uh, moved in to this house uh, about 10 years ago. So, oh, yeah. But, it, but you need you know, you need a place. And, and I obviously have a drum kit here. I've got a practice kit set up and uh, the guys can leave their amps here and I've got you know, a bunch of monitors and, and we can all hear and um, it's easy. You know, you can, we get here and within 10 minutes we can be playing as opposed to you record your rehearsals. Not sometimes. Um, 
if we do, it's typically just to, it used to be to a zoom recorder, you know, years ago. And, and then it changed to be just, um, we, you know, we record to an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. But it, it works, especially if we're doing something remarkably different with a cover tune from, you know, from the, the way the like if somebody has an idea and we play a different groove to it or whatever. Um, I'll, I'll run the recorder just so that we don't forget, you, you know, like this is how this tune's going. And, and, and the same with originals, just, okay, here's what this is. And, um, and you know, cause sometimes I'll come up with like a drum part or whatever, and I, I won't have time or I don't want to take the time to chart out what I'm doing in the moment, but I know that I'm not going to remember it, you know, a week from now because it's, yeah. you know, it's going to go. So I just record it. And then later on I'll go and chart it out. And the process, I don't, I don't read charts. Um, I could read charts live. I, my, thankfully my reading skills are pretty good, but, um, but I, I, the process of charting it out is usually enough to, you know, put it in my head and then I've got it. Um, it, it depends on how difficult it is, you know, but I'll you know. tell you one cool thing that yeah. we have, have done. I, I've made our, it's one of the guys arranges all our harmonies and he uses a little iPhone app called M T S R probably multi-track song recorder or something yep. like that. Right. I know that app. Yeah. And he'll send out the individual harmony parts. He'll send out the whole thing so you can hear them all stacked and layered. But then you can take yours and learn your harmony part in advance. And we've done that a couple of times. It's been, it's really great. I mean, it's a lot of work for the guy who does our harmonies for us to, to do that. But it, uh, we just, we finished peg in almost one rehearsal because of that. Dude, that's all. That's, that's got some fun harmonies in it. Yeah. Weird, weird ass harmonies. Yeah, they are. They're weird. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, records, I will tell you one, he records one great himself thing about, singing those. Is that, is that right? Yeah. He sings yeah. all four parts. Yep. 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 Um, and then he sends it and then he says, you know, yep. track one is Paul Track two, Right. Right. Whatever. I will tell you one thing about peg, which is great. Awesome. Great. So have you ever played peg? Yes. So there are actually YouTube videos, both of Fagan, um, explaining the arrangements and, you know, the chord progressions and how it came about. And it, cause they're, you know, especially like the intro are some really weird ass chords. And uh, so it's right there to learn, but even better, there's a YouTube video of Michael McDonald talking about, you know, and singing the harmonies individually. Yeah. And that, that totally, you know, rather than people trying to pick them apart by themselves, that that's, you know, particularly weird and difficult song. Yep. Um, but, uh, but, uh, so YouTube to the rescue for that one and dude. Dude, ne- never underestimate the value of a good YouTube. Oh my God. Yeah. We had that actually would tell me why I, I had, um, I dissected that song and I'm, I'm pretty good at dissecting harmonies, uh, on the fly. I've, I've just, over the years, I've gotten good at it. And the guys in fling, I can usually teach them the harmonies right away. And, and they usually get them. I mean, if it's something really difficult, we probably aren't going to make it work anyway. Um, just with the singers that we have, but we get, there are some interesting things and t- actually tell me why is, is not at all easy, especially if you're doing all three parts, which we are. Um, but, uh, that third part and tell me why was always elusive for me. And I used to sing it in a band and I, I just had, to, I had to have all these tricks to remind myself of what it was, which is weird for me. Cause usually they just, they're right there. You know, I can just see all the harmonies and it's easy, but not on that one. But uh, but yeah, Mike found our guitar player who who in 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 this arrangement is singing that that third kind of George part. Um, he found a a breakdown on YouTube of some guy that you know broke down all the parts and everything. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Awesome. Yeah, I you know. It's like there's someone out there in internet land who has broken down Beach Boy harmonies, like all yeah. five part harmonies. 
Yeah. I mean, God, God bless the internet it makes our job. So easy. Oh, it's so it's, I mean, I try to explain this to my daughter, you know, cause she plays in a rock band. She's the drummer and they put stuff together and they just watch it on YouTube and then they go and play it. it's like, you know, <laughs> we, dude, we used to have to sit with the record and write down lyrics. I mean, you didn't even like, that's just a given now that the lyrics. Somebody, I used to have to walk uphill yeah, both in the ways. snow to rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, really, right. I'm sure you did. You sat down and like listened to the record and, and wrote down what the, what you thought the lyrics were. Right? Which, you know, to be fair is better for your ear. Way right. To, to learn that stuff. Right. You know, so there's shortcuts now are not great for your overall kind of musical chops, but you know, if you're not worried about that and you just want to get to go quicker, there's so many great resources out yeah. there. That's a, that'll be a good episode someday. We'll just yeah. share some of the cooler ones we found. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes they're horribly wrong though. I mean, you, you need to, you know, you need to vet these things, right. When you find them because for sure. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, you get somebody, but coming. there's also, you know, for almost for as many as horribly wrong. There were those guys who, you know, I mean, I've seen some guys, dissect Jimmy page solos tone, you know, tech technique, everything that really get down to the sweatiest of details and get it right, right, right. So yeah. the good stuff is out there too. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's good. That's good. It makes it fun. I guess for sure. Yeah, for sure. It makes it easy. <sighs> and is your, um, how's the sound in your, in your rehearsal room? Is it, I mean, do you have to worry about neighbors and that sort of thing wherever you, wherever you go? Um, we, we don't, we stop by 1030 at night Okay, and, uh, and, uh, which is a different, so how's the sound? You know, it's not a great mix. It's a small room. We, you know, we get it done. Um, the band is probably a little too loud for the vocals to come comfortably come out on top. But, you know, then we remind each other to get underneath the vocals, which is a good exercise for bands in general. Anyway. Yeah. And yeah, anyway. And, you know, we always get, but it's not the same as like a nice, you know, full in-ear mix or something like that. And there's only one monitor for, you know, three of the guys. And sure. So it, it's functional for rehearsal. I, I can't complain. And the price certainly is right. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we went a little nuts here when we built this room and uh, I floated the walls and I, <laughs> I yeah, well, it, I mean, well, why not? Right. I, I had, I had a, a, a clean slate. The, the, the room was framed out, but it was not, um, it was not finished. So I did a little research and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, how hard is this? And I learned about resilient channel and how to float the sheetrock so that you isolate the low end. And, uh, and then we put mineral fiber insulation in the wall so that the high end doesn't get through. And, uh, and then inside the room, we put uh, acoustic tile, up on the walls and on the on the ceiling yep. and it really it was weird the day we were putting up the the tile i mean it was pretty much the last thing we did there were three of us here in the room putting up the tile and uh and we got about halfway through and i you know i had, had figured it out and i talked to this company called Oralex that that does a lot of this stuff and they helped me kind of engineer what we should do in the room and they you know with the acoustic tile what you do is you you have um the tiles kind of offset across from each other you don't need to tile the entire wall you just need to not have anything where sound can bounce directly back and forth. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we, we snapped a couple of lines and started putting stuff up. We got about halfway through with it and the sound just sucked out of the room. You know, we were chit chatting or whatever. And suddenly it was like, Whoa, I can't really hear you as well. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good though. I mean, it, that is good. it makes a difference. Yeah. It cost about twice as much as I expected, but you know, whatever. It's just money, I guess. <laughs> 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 it's good though, because we can play, 
and everybody hears the vocals and there's not, I mean, there's one weird resonant frequency in the room, but that's easy enough to tune out. You know, we figured right. that out a long time ago. And so now it's, it's just a no brainer. Things sound great. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You enjoy that. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I should. Right. Paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Is that, is that enough for today, Paul? Uh, that's kind of the, the rehearsal podcast today. So I, I, yeah, I think it's a good discussion. You know, I think next time I'd like to talk about if you, if you work in business mm. and how, and how your business chops can help or hurt you in managing your band. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to talk about there. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Then that's, uh, that's on deck for next time, my friend. All right. It's a wrap. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, feedback at giggabpodcast.com is how you can get in touch with us. And please do get in touch with us. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like. And, and even better, let us know what you want to hear. Not only what topics you want to hear from, but if there's, there's somebody you think that would uh, be good for the conversation here, suggest it. We'll reach out to them and see if we can't get them on as a guest too. So, for sure. Yeah. All right, Paul, have a good week, my friend. All right. Good. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. Bye everybody.